Oh, yeah. And if you let your boy BC digress for a second, I got something new to tell you about. How about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe, right? How about a vehicle equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family? And if you're looking for features, the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has you covered, like available H-Trek all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some of that mud. And with standard third-row seating, you can make sure the whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads make sure no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Make sure you can worry less about the rugged terrain to come. Want to learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe? Head on over to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. It's a 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Revely, revely, dogs. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It's Christmas week. Happy jingle balls to all of you out there. Hi, everyone. On this Monday, the 20th of December, 2021, it is time for Morning Combat. Hi, I am one half of your hosting duo. My name is Luke Thomas from CBS Sports and uh, Showtime. And I'm joining you from the capital of Los Estados Unidos with my hetero life mate, the Viceroy of Connecticut. Uh, he's the what is he? He's the American Alpha with the with the not the BDE but the BED that big erectile dysfunction. <laughs> it's just so shitty of me to say that. Uh, either way, he's my friend and yours. It's uh, it's Brian Campbell. Brian, I don't want to do the show today. How about you? Yeah, uh, you know, we, it's been a busy life, Luke, that we're living here. But, uh, you know, it's what it takes. And you, you better believe that I'm here for it, okay? So uh, I'll, I'll pick up the pieces wherever you may fall. Uh, and I'm just, you know, Luke, we're, we're back at it, bro. No rest for the wicked. So uh, what a weekend. Jake Paul, Tampa, uh, your boys, uh, this award-winning duo that we've got going on here, this weird and annoying and crazy, and we love them, award-winning audience as well let's just uh let's let's keep living okay let's do it luke all right i mean let's dude one, how, we're how gonna money... make it to the top one piece of weird merch at, at a time luke okay i mean come on how 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 money was it when you, your alarm went off and you woke up at 4 four thirty for your five o'clock flight after going to bed at three how awesome was that yeah that was great that was great but uh you know <laughs> yeah let's just leave it there luke okay we're back we're ready yeah uh Tampa was interesting. Uh, not one of my more favorite Florida cities. Miami well, would be number one for me, Florida. Dude, first of all, Miami sucks. All right, so let's just get that out of there. I didn't dude, say it was great, but it's better. Miami, Jose, listen, listen. I'm not saying Miami's great, but Miami is better than uh, Tampa. Well, we didn't get the best close-up of the greater St. Pete, Tampa area, as, as of course, my cab driver had said. It's, you know, Florida's best-kept secret no more, Luke. And uh, I didn't love, but, you know, we did. We were staying right in the middle of where Tom Brady staggered off into the sea there. Uh, and, you know, they had they had boats with Christmas lights. I mean, they tried, Luke. They tried, okay? Food not very good in Tampa. I was very surprised by that. Um, but in any but case, you know what, Luke? We are the people, huh. like Coach Phil McKeegan, our, our NFL brother, yes. the, the, the people That's of right. Florida, they, 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 they showed out for us. 
And they showed up with COVID. Uh, so let's let's talk about this. We're back off the heels of, or I should say, the end of the uh, the year here. It is Christmas week. We're back from Paul versus Woodley, too. We will discuss that. There was a lot of UFC as well, believe it or not. We will get to that uh, in addition on today's show. Plus, we're going to have extra credit a little bit later. So thumbs up on the video. Hit subscribe. We don't have a bunch of reads, but BC, we do have drug rugs that are available for purchase. All they got to do is go to where? Morningcombat.store, right? Yeah, I think that's the website, and I think there's a couple left, maybe one or two. They've sold uh, incredibly well, so shout out to everybody who, who you know, took the plunge. I mean, you know, I don't know what they were like, the, the cool guys where you came from, but where I come from, they were wearing drug rugs. Now you can have your own MK Special one. We've got a great holiday line. I mean, you want some tip-to-tip madness right here? Just the tip, just for a second, we got underwear. We got sweatshirts, ugly Christmas sweaters. We got some great ish right now over there Look, at Morning, Morning Combat. Combat who are, I think I think our merch guy sent me this. Can you all see? Look oh, that's over. badass. Yeah, our merch guy, RJ Dunkelmaker, just sent me our new tie-dye line. I mean, that's it's pretty awesome, all right? So we got a bunch of cool stuff here. Um, you can go to morningcombat.store. I don't know if we have any like deals for them today, but I'm sure we will later. So you can go there. Of course, you can give us a follow on all our various social media channels. They already showed the graphic. Here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do in addition to getting us uh, merch, which we don't see a cut of in terms of the checks. You need to go to Showtime.com. Get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, keep it. If not, do whatever you want with your life. But at least for 2022, you'll have access to Showtime Championship Boxing plus Bellator plus the entire library of everything that Showtime sells. So that's a good thing to do. Uh, BC, they should email us. Morningcombat at gmail.com for Wednesday's fan subs. There won't be a Friday show, so maybe we'll do Dead Wrong a little early. What do you think? Yeah, I'm always willing to stand trial against the people that claim to love us. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, you know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, with that out of the way, BC, I don't know what else there is to plug. Oh, so... uh, you know, a lot of, lot, of, lot of high fives and, and hugs and hand pounds from our reunion of sorts with one Ariel Helwani this weekend that you can yeah. catch. YouTube.com slash Morning Combat to check out. Obviously, it was a preview, pregame preview, if you will, of Paul Woodley, too. But it was also just a uh, an interesting experiment, Luke. You know what I'm saying? Get 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 three guys from, you know, different sides of the tracks who've crossed paths before to to the highs and lows uh, of, of, of scorned life and friendship and uh, back together once again. Uh, it was unscripted. Uh, there was a lot of cutting each other off, but, uh, you know, people seem to like it. That's the whole idea. And by the way, people are still watching it. I was checking the views of it this morning. It's still going actually. So, well, Luke, um, people, some people have, have hit the internet to say, is Luke a bigger sellout because he's covering Jake Paul fights because he's doing clips with Ariel Hawani or because he's doing clips with Ariel Hawani about Jake Paul fights at Jake Paul fights. I think the answer is yes, to be fair. Yeah. What would that make you? Well, I was going to I was going to hedge that by saying, <laughs> you know, while you have sold out, you've sold out against the life of anger, sadness, bitterness. You, you get, you I know. It's like, I don't know that. what people want from me at this point. You don't get time yeah, from that shit, Luke. OK, so yeah. can we choose? Uh, can we choose, you know, to be kind here and keep moving? All right. All right. Well, with that in mind, let's be kind about the knockout. But let's talk about the reality of Jake Paul's second meeting with Tyron Woodley. Let's get things started here. So topic number one, I think, is 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 easy place to start. So Jake Paul scores 
do you want to call it knockout of the year or at least in contention of it? I mean, there's a lot of people who probably won't say that because we're talking about two guys who aren't at the top of the fight game. But in terms of like vicious viral KOs, they don't they don't come a whole lot better than this. But BC, the first five and a half rounds were dreadful in that fight. So here's my question to you to start today's show. What is it that you thought you learned, not overall from Jake Paul, but just this fight week, just that fight, what'd you learn about him? Look, there's there's uh you know there's things you like in terms of when you're comparing him to to an actual fighter, a, a you know a, a, someone who's chasing down the rankings, and, and it's not that he's not a pro fighter. He's got five fights now, four knockouts. You know, getting better in terms of the competition while also getting better in terms of his improvement. But he's in the celebrity lane, whether he wants to be or not. And in that lane, Luke, he's showing us that some of these fundamental, you know, sort of intangible things that if he didn't have the wheels could fall apart earlier, they're there. They're there. Look, do we really know, you know, what's going to happen if he goes in there with somebody who can throw at the same level for five, six rounds and, and get into a war? Will he have that back? I don't know yet. We're going to have to pass that. But what we have learned, Luke, is he's adaptable. He's poised. He's patient. Now, look, you know, you've identified rightfully, like, the beauty of, of what he's doing is, is sort of stacking the deck in his favor in some, you know, ways in terms of age and size in these fights. But there's danger. There were da there was danger in this uh, Tyron Woodley rematch. It didn't turn out to be the action fight we wanted it to be. But Woodley was in there to make things difficult for Jake, and he did. But credit to Jake, because I don't think we could stress this enough. Had this gone the distance in the same type of boring fashion the first five and a half rounds started off as, we would be having such a different conversation about Jake's future, the future of this bubble. But because of that punch right there, we're not, Luke. So he's mm. poised and adaptable. And, you know, he's shown a pretty good ability under fire to be able to make some good adjustments and, and, and find a way to win. And, uh, you know, what does that mean in the long term? It's going to depend on the matchmaking, on how quickly he improves. But every step of the way up to this point, Luke, it's been a forward step. Jake is building something special right here, and he's put a viral knockout once again on top of that. Uh, it doesn't matter how we got here. We got here, and he's been the talk of the weekend in combat sports without question. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about what we learned. I'll tell you what I learned this past weekend. And obviously, he was telegraphing this before. I mean, this is not like new, new. But I thought some of the pieces of his broad ambition worldview started to become clearer here this week. Right? I sort of understood what he was going for. He's not trying to get the big boxing paydays by actually climbing the ranks of what the whatever division, 190, whatever catchweight division he would be in, 192 as he descends through the ladder of boxing to, to, to put himself in a position where, oh, now I fought the number three ranked whatever cruiserweight, and so now I can get big paydays. That's not He's not trying to do that at all. That is not a thing. People keep saying, when's he going to fight someone closer to his weight? When's he going to fight a real boxer? Probably never if he can avoid it. He's not trying to do any of that. What I learned this time was that here is a guy who has not just picked a fight with the MMA industry – he has decided to pick on, I would actually say, the MMA industry by picking on the weaknesses that directly serve his interests. What are those weaknesses? Finding former great MMA fighters who are probably no longer great, but are definitely willing to meet him in the middle of a boxing event, 
for paychecks that they probably couldn't otherwise get, or at least not in terms of size, not get very easily. Again, Nate versus Connor is a little bit different, perhaps, but you get the well, idea. Wasn't That's that obvious? Wasn't that business model fairly obvious it, before the first yes, fight? Yes, too? yes, yes. It was fairly obvious, but there was a real big question of how doable it is. And which should be noted, by the way, if he ends up fighting Nate Diaz, and that's just speculative. I don't know that he will. I'm just sort of saying out loud. You know, that's probably going to be a different kind of challenge in the ring than Tyron Woodley was. But I guess what I mean to say is you indicated he took another step forward. As he took that step forward, it seemed to get a little bit more believable to me. Like, Or I should say achievable, the financial ends, just completely disregarding. Because I see, I still thought after the Tommy Fury fight, I didn't know exactly where he might go. And I thought he might have to start fighting some guys a little bit more towards the boxing-oriented things. And again, I don't know what he's going to do next, and I can barely speculate on it. We'll see. I'm just pointing out, if he does end up fighting Tommy Fury BC, that might end up being a little bit more of an aberrance, or aberration, I should say, rather than like a path of a future. The path seems to me, the biggest fights imaginable are not that. It is picking on the industry. It is getting Dana White to react to fighter pay. It is getting these fighters who are looking for a paycheck. It is using his size. It is using the fact that he is... More than anything else, a boxer, certainly not an MMA fighter, but he's trying to get these MMA fighters to then cross over. You know, listen, either you can respect that game, that 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 this endeavor he's on or not, and you can judge it accordingly. And if you want to look at his ability, it's obviously not significant, but he did set up the right hand pretty well. He earned that finish cleanly, I would actually argue, it, even if he's stacking the deck. But to me, what I learned this time about Jake was that we already knew he had grand ambition. We already kind of knew he was picking on the in MMA industry. Now I think he leans fully into it, and the the steps of getting to where he wants to go to 250 million BC, they got well, the path got a lot more illuminated. You know, I do see what you're saying, where he is leaning into it, but there's still a lot to be said if he can get the type of opponents he really wants and needs. Now some of that will come down to time in terms of specifically their UFC contracts expiring. If he can get them in good time when these brands are still valuable, and you can make some of these fights like a Diaz brother fight, like a McGregor fight, like a Masvidal fight that are just print the money, right? This is the perfect matchup. And by the way, all of those opponents are smaller than him, like Woodley. So it all sort of leans into, you know, that that's a sort of potential built-in advantage that he's building for himself to offset the fact that he hasn't had a lifetime in fighting like all of these guys have had. He's going to have to prove that he can get those opponents. I think, Luke, to be fair, though, who he chooses next, it might change your opinion. It might, it might, or it might further illuminate exactly what his path is in his plan. And what I mean by that is, if he can't get any of these guys next, we both don't, don't believe Dana White and UFC would be willing at this stature, coming on 2022, not 2017, to co-promote and try to help out that business plan. So you look at the available guys, and while you mentioned Tommy Fury, that would seem to make a lot of sense in some of those early odds makers that put out the the, the odds on who his next opponent can be. Tommy Fury, the, the second most likely under that list. But if he chooses Anderson Silva, Luke, who would be the biggest name available of this business plan you're talking about, but certainly by far the most difficult on paper, not just because he he he's pretty much the same size as Jake, but that he seems to be able to really box despite his age, that would show me uh, that it's a little bit more than the the goal to get to 250 million. Now, if Jake Paul went in there and beat an Anderson Silva, he'd get a lot of respect, just like he'd still get some lingering. Well, that's another old guy. But the real fans would realize, Luke, that's a fight that you know he might he'd probably be the betting underdog going in. That's a fight where that potential advantage either levels out or tilts in the other direction. 
That's more of the fight that I'm starting to talk myself into wanting to see, to see how good he actually really is, Luke, because that's a real-ass fight, Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva. Yeah, I don't think he wants any part of that. I mean, I, I, I guess I'll confess to you, BC. Tell me if you think I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe, maybe I am. I, I certainly don't know. I don't have any inside track. It's not that Jake Paul doesn't want athletic validation. I do think he does. I do think he clearly does, more so than his brother. Something we brought up with the, in the video with Ariel. Or I think he even brought it up. But what I would also caution folks against is, I don't think he's really... like that. He wants to athletic validation only insofar as it meets his broader ambition. If there is an athletic pedigree he could achieve by beating Anderson Silva, but that risk of losing is so high, or at least you know, relative to Nate Diaz or something like that, I don't think he goes anywhere near that. I think if he beats Nate Diaz, he will have a level of, whether you think it's real or not, he will at least have a level of sellable, I'll say that, athletic validation that he doesn't really need the Anderson Silva fight at that point, right? I mean, it, it, it's, he's not trying, I don't, I, I really am just not of the belief that he's really trying to prove a something. He's not trying to prove a whole lot yeah, as a boxer. He's know, trying to get rich as a boxer, and that's different. I think the shift is noticeable because before the first Woodley fight, you heard Jake doing a much bigger job at a, at a sort of PR campaign to say, I am legit. I am for real. Check my camp. My coaches, the amount of hours we put in, uh, I'm going to try to win a world title one day. That's my goal. Yeah, I don't. I didn't hear that this time around. I don't think that's his angle either. But the thing is, Luke, if he turns out better than most expect, he could still stay in the celebrity rain, lane and eventually use the success in that celebrity lane to try to cross over and, and pick on a, a, a weak champion for a belt or something like that. So that's still in play going down this road. Whether you feel like he's showing you your his hand more or not, it seems obvious that's the direction he's going. You and I tried in the post-show Saturday to try to just think like off the top of our heads, like who are some opponents that we that we don't see? You know, could it be an old boxer like a De La Hoya? I mean, there's still even danger in that. Going this route with older, smaller MMA names in bad need of a huge payday and close-up, it, it seems to be the right business plan, even if he has to potentially take a little bit of time off and, and look at the lay of the land and see who's going to find make themselves eligible and available. Because, look, this is going to be a big a big question on Nate Diaz's plate, on Jorge Masvidal's plate, even Conor McGregor's plate. Is it worth working out of your deal and trying to take as many fights in a short period and maybe not waste your UFC paydays, but certainly not commit and invest yourself into building the angles toward them for this one payday or... The promise of two, if you go in there and knock out Jake Paul, or you know maybe more, if you can be the the new face of this crossover celebrity boxing bubble, it's like you got to debate which one has more life for you based on how much life you have left in the tank. Um, it's going to be an interesting 2022, I think, more in, in terms of what are Jake's potential opponents going to do to get themselves eligible than what is Jake going to actually do in the ring. You know, it was funny, BC, on fight night, we were discussing what will people remember more, the KO or the fight itself. And both of us had concluded that the KO will, will probably reign supreme. It's just, you know, too punctuated a moment for anything else to stand out. But now that the days have passed, people aren't talking about the fact that that fight was boring at all. It is only about the KO. So do you feel like the fact that this fight was boring is going to be utterly forgotten, let's say, in six months' time? Yeah, the only way it comes back is if in his next fight, and let's be fair, you talked about it in the build to this one. I talked about it in the build 
to the Woodley fight because it was fresh off of Logan versus Floyd, which was not exciting in the ring, right? Great build, promotion, get you interested. It didn't deliver. Uh, this topic will only come back up again if Jake Paul's next fight doesn't deliver. Now, it doesn't mean it has to be an all-action war. Like I said, it could be if he went the Anderson Silva route, just the interesting, you know, how are these guys going to match up, the drama of seeing what happens. But that drama, that entertainment value has to be there to offset what what he does not bring to the table in terms of experience and legitimate and legitimacy look he's building in both of those categories and building pretty well but that's sort of the offset you won't hear this topic again luke until it becomes unexciting and i think you know it's good that is also going to have to be part of how he looks at his next opponent you're going to want somebody in there with a name that that, that tells the fans the fight's going to be fun but there's got to be a threat of a knockout against you i think that's going to continue to bring out the best in jake inside the ring if he can match that way I think that's right. I mean, it'll come up for analysts like us whenever we discuss his next fight. We'll be like, well, remember, before the KO, it wasn't that great of a fight and blah, blah, blah. And that might go into it. But in terms of, like, serving his interests or, you know, what material can he take from the fight to boost his fortunes, he has everything he needs and then some, even though there's, you know, 15-plus minutes of this fight being a little bit nubs quite candidly quite quite bad as a matter of fact um it Look, just, i want to ask you in hindsight matter. about the nubs um we debated right after whose fault it was uh, you know we both kind of said it was both fighters i thought jake was doing more holding than tyron you thought the opposite but i mean was this all part of tyron's strategy just with short camp with you know bigger younger stronger opponent in there to try to frustrate him, try to slow down the pace of this fight and try to keep him close enough through holding to, in hopes of landing that one big counter shot and it just didn't work out for Tyron? Yeah, I think that's right. I think he was trying to hold on to not let the fight get away from him, not let Jake get you know lucky or however he was imagining it. Just slow it down, control it, make it ugly, and he did. Um, but then, you know, you let your guard... I mean, you make one mistake. You make one mistake. Even against a guy... I mean, that just shows you the fight game. Even a guy like Jake Paul, who, you know, has obviously been training really hard and has good power, but is not really a boxer of any kind of elite status. Even one mistake against him, and you're, you know, you're face down on the canvas and you're a meme everywhere. So with that in mind, BC, let's talk about Tyron Woodley for just a second. Topic number two. So that was a devastating KO. I mean, really, really bad. You add to that KO... The fact that he's had a lackluster few years, he's been 0-6 since that I'll Beat Your Ass song came out, and now he's going to be 40 years of age, I think, in April, pretty soon. Is it time for Tyron Woodley to retire? He seems to think he's got four more fights in 2022. Do you believe him? Uh, you know, I, I didn't believe that comment when I heard him say it. You know, like, don't, don't, don't cry. You know, don't cry for me, guys. I'm going to be back. In fact, I'm going to be back four times. Uh, yikes. Uh, you know, maybe this is Tyron just really trying to, you know, cash out what's left of his name to build that retirement. There's no, you know, pension he's falling into here. So you can understand that. But Luke, he's going to get hurt. You know, there's there's different levels of matchmaking, of course. Could he draw, you know, a decent paycheck in, against another MMA fighter in a boxing match? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's things that can be done. You can go join Triller Triad and fill out an undercard for sure. I don't know, Luke. I don't see, uh, you know, I see a failure to launch. The, it's been a big narrative in his last, you know, six total fights and I and that chin's just not going to get any better when you take shots like that so um this is the fight game when you can still you know look good and make weight and that cash that cash is sitting there I'm, I'm sure he's going to try his best to get in a big fight but Luke I would not advise him um under any circumstances you know the the, the wars add up and it, it, you're seeing a compromised 
former great fighter here just trying his best to to stay relevant at this point. I think that's right. I mean, listen, part of the way he got two of these fights is that Woodley is a very, very smart guy and a very gifted orator and a clever, hardworking, successful self-promoter. The guy knows how to promote himself. He's known how to promote himself, believe it or not, for quite a long time. He got at odds with the UFC right after he got the title, and I understand that. But if you just pay attention to what Woodley's been doing, um, even in the UFC, but certainly since then, it's pretty obvious the guy knows how to promote a fight really well and was a very worthy adversary in that promotional sense for Jake Paul. And so I don't think that ability goes away overnight, BC. He can talk himself, I think. And I'm not even saying that pejoratively, but I do think he can talk himself into potentially a couple of opportunities. But I think you articulated the reality. Dude, he hasn't thrown really aggressively, except for that Luke fight. And even then he got finished. And this one he got finished too. Um, you know, since what? Bef- the the Darren Till or Demi and Maya fight or something like that? Something insane? We're talking years where it's, she's shown life basically inside of the the fighting surface and then you add to the fact that he got viciously KO'd in his last fight and you add to the fact that like when he's out there he's not exactly like putting on the kind of fights that promoters dream of I'm not saying he can't get gigs or that I have enough neurological information to make a judgment about his brain but at this point like you have consistently sold a product quite well you give him that but that never really delivered on the other side from his contributions to it you know what promoter do I think he can get another contract with a promoter yeah but like how's that gonna be any different like he is where he is at this point he can't will himself out of it and I feel like he's gonna have to go far down the food chain meaning you know BKFC or Triller Triad or something like that's that's what's gonna be available to him you know and and can he win in those fights can he suddenly change you know skin and be and be an aggressive fighter again I I had good hopes for this one Luke but Boy, did we find out quickly that wasn't that wasn't the case. How much do do these two losses and obviously the the nature of the second one? How much should they? How much will they affect his MMA legacy? See, this is where you know we had a little debate with with Ariel Hawani when he sat down with us on pregame preview, and I completely disagree with his sentiment that you know for for Tyron or even Ben Askren that that's going to be some kind of stain that that's going to be the first or second line of their obituary someday. No, this look, how many of our heroes from, you know, Muhammad Ali to everyone have, you know, at the end of the run done crossover wrestling or exhibition fights, or, you know, in a case of a Roy Jones hung on for over a decade in in just ways that didn't make a lot of sense to us at, at a very low level professionally. None of that, none of that follows you out in terms of what your true legacy is. Tyron Woodley's true legacy is already written in stone. He was one of the better modern UFC champions. And, you know, at worst, like you and I were arguing, the fourth or fifth best UFC welterweight champion in history. He had a very underrated run on top. And it was part of that was because the promotion uh, never saw eye to eye and were able to give him the love he deserved. I I don't see how even being part of a viral memed knockout against a guy 15 years younger in a sport you never competed in I don't see how that holds and lingers as a stain against you. Uh, that kind of stuff goes away quickly, you know, in the same way, Luke, that, you know, was it fun that we sat there and argue or, or that I sat there and argued with Floyd Mayweather that time that we had, you know, time with him about his resume and brought up the old argument. Even that Luke is going to go away. You know, you know, time heals a lot of this sort of sort of stuff, the banter, whether it's fueled on the right things or not time has a way of just, you know, 
removing that stain and and you remember the good i don't see how this will be remotely close in terms of uh you know who was tyron woodley oh oh yeah he was the guy that jake paul no no he wasn't that guy he wasn't that guy at all and we're not going to talk about that you know five years from now um i tend to think you're probably right you know it doesn't undo this darce choke we see here on tyron woodley or excuse me um darren till it doesn't undo a lot of the great things he was able to accomplish and setting the blueprint on how to beat Demi and Maya or even Wonderboy to an extent. Um, you know, he did a lot of impressive things. I think you're right. I mean, the boxing doesn't counteract that. Here's what I will say, though. It's not really about Tyron per se, but about MMA fighters who keep doing this kind of thing. Um, I will say that I do think that you won't feel it now, but I just wonder, dude, I, and I, I don't have a clear answer for this one. But I just can't keep seeing MMA fighters sign up to box, take L's, and think that that won't affect MMA over time. I think it will. How and in exactly what ways, I don't know. And I realize the caveats. You're getting guys at the end of their run. You're getting guys who weren't necessarily great strikers. You're getting all different kinds of stuff. But, dude, you keep signing up for occasions where people, the public thinks that you at least have a fighting chance and then you keep losing. And again, this is not merely on Tyron. This is on the, the broad array of fighters who have tried this. I just feel like that that, that bill is going to come due eventually. Yeah, in who, what way and how much, I don't know. Bill? Like, what, what's the issue? Oh, the ca casual fans will think MMA is, fighters are bad at boxing? Like, who cares? Like, that, that kind of, I don't get where that's going to have some well, type of... Well, I mean, that does, a, that does a couple of things. If the, if the public really begins to accept that idea, because, right, dude... The only reason that you can do these fights is that they don't. They don't accept that. They accept that the MMA fighter has enough skill that he should easily be able to get rid of this Jake Paul or whoever the fuck, or that you never know with Conor McGregor against Mayweather, and it's totally out to lunch. Like, it's not that it's just making MMA look bad. Dude, you can only sell these fights predicated on the idea that, like, Nate Diaz can outbox Jake Paul, but, like, what if he can't? What if he actually goes in there and gets tuned up. What are you doing to the identity of the sport when you guys can't beat Mayweather? Okay, you can't beat Mayweather. You can't also beat Jake nah. Paul. The only connection I, 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 here... I think I think I think it's wrong to look at the sport and be like, oh yeah, no harm will come of it no, by consistently only... taking L's. I'm gonna tell the opposite to you. Okay, is it is it great PR? No. And I think Jake's smart to say, look, Dana, I'm I'm killing your business one by one. I'm you know, no, you're you're killing his retired washed up fighters that he let go, to be fair. But, um, look, it, it's only actually helps fuel MMA in the long run. Why? Because it exposes the major flaw with this great sport at the highest level, which is fighter pay. That's the only thing it does. So seeing that this is more of an option, will one day Dana White go, man, I'm sick of seeing my former champions get knocked out by this kid. I don't think he will soon, you know? And so unless mm -hmm. until we have fighter pay actually change, this only helps the fighter pay argument. I, You know, it's like... Let's be fair, Luke. MMA doesn't have a great look in the casual audience anyway, right? It's a fighting sport in a damn cage. You ask people like my dad, they still think you're doing bare knuckle and you're biting. Most people don't have a clue anyway. So you they lost boxing matches to a YouTuber? That's going to kill the image of MMA? No, no. It's only going to help fighters. But that's not, talking. I didn't, I mean, when when in the last five minutes have I said it's going to kill MMA's then what's, image? Then what's the fear? Then what's the what's the long-term effects that are going to come due that you're offering? What's the What do they have to pay here? Well, partly these things are difficult to predict, and I'm saying as much explicitly, but what I am trying to articulate is you are making these fights 
they're, they're not possible if people don't believe that Nate Diaz has a chance. They're just, you can't do it otherwise. And what I'm saying is the accumulative weight of MMA fighters consistently being like, yeah, I'll sign up for that shit. Fuck everyone. I'm going to do great. And then they consistently, Anderson Silva is bucking this trend a little bit. We'll see what happens with him. But there's enough of this happening where you're like, Jesus, they keep fucking losing. I think the public will start to reshape their minds around exactly how good a MMA is actually. And then also more importantly, MMA striking. Like there is a level of, there is a level of, um, elevated sense of MMA strikers ability. That's going to come down to earth a little bit. Dude, like MMA fighters are, it turns out they're actually not very good boxers and people thought that they were much better. I'm saying that's going to catch up over time. If this keeps happening. And I think some of how that impacts the sport is a little bit unpredictable. I, I not think it's good. going to be a good impact for the sport. What is it going to do? Force people to go, oh, crap. You know, I should pick up my boxing. You know, maybe we see a, you know, a revolution in terms of the training trends where, where guys are. I mean, it's not that they, it MMA fighters that. haven't already been training with boxing trainers and doing that, but really kicking it on a deeper level. I just don't see anything negative there when it's like this bubble's going to burst think, eventually. Think, th whether it's a Jake Paul loss, Luke, That's the true. bubble's going to burst eventually, even if it's just wearing down the public's appetite. If your argument is that public not believing MMA fighters can win one, will that help pop the balloon? It might, but the balloon's going to pop anyway, Luke, is my sort of argument on that. Yeah, they're, they're, I, I certainly agree that the balloon's going to pop eventually. It's hard to know where at this point, given that, that spectacular KO win that he scored. But I guess I would just say this as a final thought. Um, again, I don't know exactly how it will impact. I just tend to worry about it a little bit. The other thing I would say is, and I'm not suggesting you're committing this. I think you're thinking promotionally. But inside of MMA, most fans, fighters, promoters, everybody in it, is an MMA acolyte. Like, they see MMA as a thing that they love and they want to attach themselves to and they've made their career arounds. And inside MMA, what I've noticed is there is a very strong inclination to never accept criticism about MMA. Like, there can be nothing about it that you can say that to disperse it. Like, everyone who, disperse, excuse me, everyone who is a uh, announcer is a great announcer. Every fighter is a great fighter. Aren't these the best kind of fights? Aren't these the best kind of evenings? Aren't these guys actually well paid? There's this constant need inside of MMA, this like deep thumb sucking need to ha make sure that every part of MMA is great. And if there's any lesson actually since Mayweather McGregor, we kind of knew before, but it's only been um reaffirmed is that they're not great boxers not by a long shot they're actually quite poor at it and there is not enough of an external recognition of that fact now again we know the caveats you're not getting anderson silva in his prime you're not getting israel adesanya in his prime and of course those guys actually have direct boxing experience but it also sort of goes to show here that this this there's a there's a there's a reflex in the sport that refuses to acknowledge any shortcoming about it. And I'm trying to explain to folks, dude, J Jake Paul it only exists because he is playing MMA. That is it. He is playing the yeah, industry. He is playing that. these I mean, fighters. Like, he is playing. I just I don't, don't think get your stance. Like, I, I, I just did, I did two radio shows this morning. Let me explain to you. People don't get that. They don't get that. Yeah, because I don't think it's a form, form, form thought, Luke. I think it's, it's very artistic and abstract, but it doesn't really have a soul to it. And I, what I'm saying is like, it's like you don't look at the best decathletes in the world and say, okay, it's cool, you can do all those events at once, but go try to beat the best sprinter. Go try to beat the best, you know, javelin thrower. No, it's a well-rounded event. So then why does Dana White care that his guys keep losing? Forget the money pay He doesn't argument. care, that, I, dude. That's He let oh, those guys dude, go. I, I think that's a, that's a little naive to, to, to think that he watched Tyron okay. Woodley crash to the canvas 
and thought, gee, this has zero impact on me Luke, whatsoever. I bet cared, it blew, I bet I'll tell you what would happen if he his, cared. I'll tell you if, right if, now what would happen enough, if he, cared. he doesn't care enough to fuck with his short-term business. But the idea that Dana White watched that and thought to himself, I don't care about this at all, I think is fantasy. Okay, Total well, that, fantasy. If, that's your, if that's your argument, fine. But your original argument was that he cared enough to, like, not want to see it. Dude, he doesn't care about Woodley. He let him go. He doesn't care about Askren. If he cared, he would be finding in his stable the one person that he thinks would have the best chance at beating Jake and knocking dude, him no, out. He w- and, you think, and you he think, would be, listen, you think. listen, no, no, dude, you're going to pick apart one part of my thing and go on some radio show rant. I'm telling you right now, if he actually cared, he would find somebody to fight and beat Jake and co-promote, but he doesn't care enough, Luke, because Jake's beating old guys. I, I mean, you got to see that. Your argument is that if Dana White wanted to put an end to this, he could release Adesanya from contract and then just stop this whole thing? You think if that's If he actually a real cared thing? to the level that you're, that you're fearing Paul that he cares. take that fucking fight, dude? Jake Paul wouldn't take that fight in a million... The whole idea is to feast off of the things that are feastable. We all know Not this. to do the impossible. So what, what? So where's your argument that Dana sits there and he's angry after watching it? Even well, after one, Jake one, I've ta- one, I've talked to some folks that have given me some inside information that I'm... That, Tyron, not specifically, but like in general, that Jake Paul making MMA fighters look bad they don't like at UFC brass whatsoever. Okay, they come with so, that. Lead with that. Don't say you fear it and then you can't back it up. If you're if your backup well, I'm allowed is that to talk about that- my like, I'm allowed to talk about my fears on the show. I'm not making to you a, a concrete claim about where it goes. I don't know where any of this goes. I just noticed, dude, I've been in this industry for 15 years. No one likes talking about its bad parts. No one likes admitting when it looks bad. No one likes talking about where bad shit is headed ever and we have a situation here where i don't know what's going to happen i'm merely telling you i am skeptical of the idea that's all i can say i am very skeptical of the idea that you can keep trotting this out and that mma's image won't take a hit how much in what ways dude you're right i cannot tell you but i am i just fear that everyone's like yeah and everyone's gonna kind of get it and this is just a thing no there are consequences to these kinds of things in life and how they can be meted out is a little bit unpredictable I'll say that. Now, you're, BC, if you're looking one, for more on this topic. Check out extra credit today only. On yeah, I, I don't. I won't go. I won't go into this. Um, all right. With that in mind, though, we can put a bow on the Jake Paul thing. A, the year is over, and remember, he signed a two-fight deal with Showtime. Now, BC, let me ask you about this. The question is as follows: What can we say about Paul's experiment, right, with Showtime? Now that the two fights have happened, of course, caveat: we. Collect a check from Showtime. It's the thing we should acknowledge. And two, I want to be careful about how I mean this. Before Jake Paul was taken on Ben Askren, who we all knew was like barely even trying, showed up looking terrible, and it was part of this whole thriller crazy thing. What was interesting to me about what Jake Paul was trying was that he was like, oh, let me get with an established name in boxing that does put on relevant boxing week in, week out, that kind of a thing. And let me see if I can take this circusy thing in conjunction with a real thing and then produce something more of a real thing. Did it work? Yeah, through two fights. And we don't know the specifics of Jake's deal. I remember Logan speculated once in an interview to me that it was two fights. Showtime's never publicly announced that. So could they have re-upped? Is there more? I'm not sure what the status is, but through two fights of this experiment, God, yeah, it's worked. You know, Jake Paul's knockout worked on Triller. These two fights in a row with the build, with his audience, with his flair for promotion, it worked. 
But a lot of what worked, again, was that beautiful knockout on top of it, and that's something he can deliver. So you take the momentum and you go with it. Matchmaking is always going to be key. You're going to need fights that people want to talk about from the personalities involved, but also, you know, the, the fear of potentially losing. And there are matchups out there. I mean, we don't really know how good of a boxer Tommy Fury is. I think Jake looks better so far, but, you know, that's certainly a viable fight. I'd love to see him against Anderson Silva. There are some fun ones you can make. But to act at all this deep into it, what, five pro fights now, four knockouts, that Jake Paul is a is just a, a side act and, and not taking into account the actual disrupting he's doing in the boxing business, that would be naive. This is, you know, it, it, again, it may not play exclusively to, to hardcore boxing fans, but to be fair, pay-per-view fights, they're really, to be fair, pay-per-view fights are aimed at the casuals, aimed at ex inciting casuals to open their eyes. Jake Paul knows how to do that too. So uh, let's give him his respect when he says, you know, look at the history I made this year. You really historically can't find people through three, four, five pro fights who have drawn this big of an audience and got people to care. So what Jake Paul is doing, it's smart and it's working. And there, like we've debated many times, are some much bigger fish out there if he could align himself and draw them in. Uh, there, his goal of 250 million, it's in play here, Luke. This is working right now. So uh, we're going to be, you know, close watching the matchmaking and the pluses and minuses of each one. But uh, this Jake Paul experiment shows you that even if you're not presenting the most elite product, uh, you can get boxing to care and you can get the, the, you know, the general fan to care about this because there is something pure and simple about boxing that sort of crosses age lines and it crosses experience lines at times of the guys in the ring because it's really the projection of the human struggle, Luke. I mean, that's what it is. And, you know, Jake's had to go through a little bit of that at times in the ring, and boy, did he did he persevere in this moment, uh, however you thought the fight was living up to that moment. Um, I don't want to, like, I don't want to go as far as saying, is he included in the fighter of the year ballot now? Well, no, he's not on no, that level. No, but that's no a chance. knockout of the year contender. And when you're talking about boxing's yes. most viable brands, Luke, where's where does Jake fit into that sentence? Two, three? I mean, it's right there, dude. You mean as like promotional entities, that kind of a thing? Yeah. In terms yeah, he's of he, he's up there. I agree, he's up there. And I would also agree that the KO is you can put it in discussion of KO of the year. The overall year itself, I would not give to him, uh, not even close. But that that KO is certainly quite nice. I would say this. I mean, I was curious to see what would happen when you took this. I mean, because for a time, Jake was a little bit associated with like that Triller sort of sensibility. And then he came to Showtime and I was like, okay, what exactly can they do for each other here? And I think the first fight would show you that they can produce a fight that could sell really well and be promoted, frankly, like any other big name fight. I mean, that fight was expertly promoted at the time. People can say what they want. It was. The sales were great. This one, I don't think, I think the sales are going to come way back down to earth. And again, for a lot of different circumstances, Tommy probably wasn't the same kind of draw Woodley was. Then Woodley fills in on two weeks notice and blah, 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 blah. What I would say is, did they show that there was a really viable market for the right kind of audience for this thing? No doubt about it. My only thing, and where it goes in the future, I, I don't know. In fact, that's the only thing I could possibly say at this point is, I think there's enough stuff, enough material, BC, where if they can find the right opponent, whoever that may be, and they can promote it as, as they had against Woodley, this is a very, this is a thing that can and will continue. Like, there's just no denying it. But, and this is true of every fighter, but it's a little bit predicated on 
some things working out. If Nate Diaz doesn't leave UFC, I, you know, Tommy is a decent opponent, but he's not going to sell what Nate does, or if Jorge never goes, or if Connor never goes. He needs a few escalating opponents to get him to his ultimate goal in a way that's a little bit less achievable in certain ways than other things for boxing. But can that can those two forces united make this work for at least a little while longer? Yeah. Yeah, it can, and it looks a lot like regular boxing in terms of the promotional side when they do. Luke, we don't use this name often in this conversation. What about GSP? What are the time lear- time limit considerations on his expiring UFC deal? I don't know when he's out. I think it's pretty soon. I think it's 2022, right? Maybe 2023 at the most. I mean, dude, that's like- a big fight. You want like Just like Anderson Silva is, and I think the difference is the size with a smaller GSP – who's been relatively inactive, that's a still a big fight, Luke. Big, big fight. That's a huge fight, and it would be hard to handicap there because you, you know, we know GSP's got a great jab. We've seen it. But how would it translate at this age to boxing and blah, blah, blah? Yeah, I mean, that's another name. Potentially, if they could recruit him, this is what I mean. Is if you can find a couple of the right names and, and you sell it like you did against Tyron, which is doable. Jake is a – dude, Jake's a talented promoter. I will give him credit. Luke, t- and that guy who's got false. True or false, the future of Jake's career in terms of length, yes, it's always going to be predicated on wins. Not not that he couldn't lose one and keep going or whatever, but it's predicated on success, as would anyone in this spot. But how much is it predicated upon his availability of big-name opponents? Because if if we are six months from now seeing him, you know, picking around the bottom of the barrel trying to find somebody that they can sell, that's got to be the the decider in how much longer he's going to want to keep doing this. Because let's be fair – he can make a lot of money doing whatever he wants, whether it's your cup of tea or not. It's it's a it's a hot open market in terms of this influencer, YouTube, all that stuff. God, we're on YouTube crushing it, winning big awards. You get my point. Um, <laughs> if if the UFC shop closes up completely, it could get a, it could be you know it could be really bad. It could be. It could be. I, I don't. I don't know what he would do. I mean, you mentioned like, oh, no one's had this kind of a claim through five fights, which is a hundred percent true. But the difference is that the people who are doing this for real against the people who are making, you know, making a push towards the top of their respective divisions, they're. I mean, yes, they want to make more money by their fifth fight, but they're actually just getting ready so that when they have their twenty-fifth fight, they can beat someone really good and make good money. Jake is doing the opposite of that. He is front-loading his career, and then I, I would imagine getting the fuck out. So you're not comparing apples to apples in that sense. But um, yeah, I I tend to think they made it work. I tend to think that it's a it's a narrow universe. But I'll say this too, dude. You would agree. If a couple of fights break his way, I, that's all he really needs. If he got two of the three, right? If he got, forget GSP, although I agree, it's a totally workable thing. But let's just for the sake of example, if he got Connor, Jorge, and Nate and got two of those three, dude, how, I mean... He's on his way at that point, right? I got one more name for you. Just okay, let's I'm, hear it. Just tell me if I'm crazy, all right? All right. You are crazy. Habib Nurmagomedov. It's a little too crazy. I have to agree. Now, I don't think he would ever want to, but let's not forget his name was linked to Floyd for a while, even though we were all groaning. Um could he do it legally? I mean, can you just retire from the UFC and say, I'm done with you guys. Sorry, I'm going this no. other route. You, no. Couture tried that, and Dana's famous words were, you can't retire from a contract. So, no, he couldn't do go. it. Um, all right, 
Let's talk about UFC before our audience completely stabs us in the face the next time they see us. Let's talk about this last UFC fight card. UFC's 2021 is in the books, and the main event for it was the Black Beast. Yes, getting it done against Chris Dawkins in the first. BC, you were right about Derek Lewis. I will give you credit for it. I will acknowledge it up front, and I will say as I pitch you the first question, why did he win? In your mind, was Chris Dawkins overmatched, or are we still underestimating, me included, Derek Lewis? I think a little bit of both, but more toward the the former. Look, this was Chris Dawkins' chance. to Is he better than we thought he was at this moment? And he had that chance to jump forth. I just thought, you know, there, there was a too much uphill battle. And I think to your second point, Lewis, look, I'll give Lewis a lot of credit. I thought he was going to disappear after that DC loss. I thought that was him putting it together for one night for the big title. And uh, he came up empty. He stayed very relevant, not just the guy who has openly going after the biggest purses available. And he was hilarious in the post fight. God, taking the cup off and throwing to the... I mean, look, he's great. He's great, right? I didn't think he would stay this fresh, this... You know, I mean, a, a slugger is always going to be able to go through certain rebirths, but he hasn't really slipped all that far. I mean, he's rebuilt himself a couple times in, in huge ways. This was a bad matchup for Dawkins because he was going to have to show an extreme level of chin toughness to be able to set up the type of shots. And he's great boxer. Love his combinations that could have success. Lewis is just never out of a fight. And uh, it was fairly impressive to see him do it this quickly to Dawkins. I mean, that was a violent vicious knockout so I don't want praise because I called this Luke I was just upset at you on the preview show that you weren't really understanding my point Luke. okay my point was that these two He's guys are such outliers. I mean, I that. you got to throw out the stats bro so throw that shit out at the end of the day all right well the question is which stats are the most important ones not that they're not useful um but you're right in this particular case you know what's amazing to me I actually feel like Chris Dawkins I still think pretty highly of him although you're right he didn't really show up in this fight it was kind of once once Dawkins got pushed behind the black line along the fence, it was basically over at that point. It was pretty quick. But I put out a little video about it because I was rewatching it this morning, and I was like, huh, Derek Lewis is a clever little guy. He does this jumping. Basically what happened was in the fight, Dawkins was far away, and Lewis is not the kind of guy to like stalk a guy and then corner him. He's not very effective at that. He lets him roam a little bit, for at least in long stretches of the fight. But eventually he realized this is not going anywhere. Maybe he could win that way, but it wasn't, you know, it was just a fairly evenish fight. So he notices that when he throws anything, Dawkins backs up big time. So he does this jumping roundhouse kick, which looks kind of crazy. But if you'll notice, what does Dawkins do? He backs up all the way to the fence line behind the black line. And from there, you see him cut off the corner at that point because now Dawkins can't lean back. He can't move back. And he's kind of stuck side to side. He feints him a little bit, throws a left hook, and then he even hits an inside trip as Dawkins tries to come off to push him back along the fence. My point being is... Dude, that's crafty by Derek Lewis to get yeah. to get a guy backed up like that. And now, like in space, he's kind of hard to hit. Up against he's, the fence, dude, it's target practice. You got to give him credit. His evolution to work around his his inefficiencies, work around the things that he's not good at and he's not trying to be good at. He's a very smart fighter, like I said, to be able to linger even these years later from what looked like his mountaintop point to come back. And look, he is a very vi viable piece in this heavyweight title picture which of course includes Cyril Ghosn, the interim champion, and Nganu, the full champion, having that fight in January that we can't wait for. But Luke, even though I don't think the UFC will go this direction, could you imagine Derek Lewis versus John Jones right now? Even if you had to throw an unnecessary uh, interim title on top of it just to make it hmm. an even sexier pay-per-view main event, 
that fight right now would be very interesting because mostly Lewis is raw enough in certain categories that you could see John having good success and being John and doing what he does, but also being under the gun and being, you know, in, in the danger zone for a KO for as long as it would last. That would be an incredible piece of theater to see John Jones debut on that level. And also, you know, Derek Lewis doesn't have the best takedown defense, but John Jones's takedown ability has, I won't say collapsed, but it has declined over time. It, you know, it probably gets Lewis down, but I wouldn't say it's automatic. And if he can't get Lewis down, because obviously he had a lot of trouble with Reyes, with uh, Silva, less so with Anthony Smith, but you get the idea. It's not automatic. And if he couldn't, dude, Derek Lewis is a problem for everybody. Um, and I think you're right. Like, the big lesson of Derek Lewis's career is not that he figured out how to be better than he was. Of course, he's made improvements, but that, you know, he's not trying to be every fighter in every scenario he kind of likes the fighter that he is so what he decides to do is just try and guide the fight if he can into scenarios that are winnable for him that are advantageous for him it's smart he didn't waste a lot of energy he took his time but even with not wasting energy and not taking his time he a scores the finish and b does it in the first round chris Dawkins was really never in this they were just kind of even for about two thirds of the round until until Derek Lewis took charge. It's brilliant. It's, I don't it's very smart. Him. And he, and he's only thirty six BC. That's young for heavyweight. You know, and, and obviously when he's healthy, he's a different fighter. Because what I was going to say is, you know, what we haven't had in a while a complete Derek Lewis collapse within a fight, which has happened a right. few times. Even if he saved himself in some of these fights with with late knockouts. I mean, what was the fight I'm thinking of recently, Luke, where he just. Uh, he just wasn't, you know, we haven't had gone? that in a while. Gone? You know, maybe it is gone. That You know, he got stopped. Yeah, I mean, he really, it just, you know, gone's a different argument because gone is just so good that who knows, that could be what happens in that matchup every time for all we know. But it's been a while, maybe the, J, the JDS fight back in 2019 where, you know, he was controlling that fight until he got stopped. And, you know, uh, look, fatigue is his issue and it looks great when these fights end in the first round. But even he was joking afterwards, can I get a three-round title fight? But we haven't had that in a, a, a real, you know, self-implosion in a while from him. And I wonder if that's due to his health, Luke, because when his back is feeling good, man, he's a different fighter. Yeah, I mean, in the UFC, okay, early on he lost to Mitrione and Jordan. But since then, he's only lost to Mark Hunt, Daniel Cormier, JDS, and then Cyril Gaon, like basically championship-level fighters or something pretty close to it. And with Dawkins, he now has the most re the record for the most knockout wins in UFC at 13. It's fucking impressive, man. And I would also argue it's kind of funny. You know, you mentioned the JDS fight. It's so interesting. JDS isn't even in the UFC, and here's Derek Lewis with another fucking win on his resume. And that, that fight was just in March of 2019, almost a little less than three years ago. It's crazy how you know fortunes can change or just slowly mutate over time to keep one guy in and one guy out, even if the other guy has. The, the win, it's he's an incredible career, and he's not done yet, not by a long shot, provided he can stay motivated and healthy. The fight I was referencing, which I forgot, was in 2020. The Alaire Latifi fight for Derek Lewis was one of those where you're like, ah. oh, okay, he's back on that shit again. You know, like he, he looked right. bad. He struggled to to get up off the canvas and fight off a, a close decision there. But, uh, yeah, man, uh, can you imagine him against Ngannou in a rematch under any circumstance, whether it's for the title or whether they're both coming off losses? Luke, we're going to see that one day. And it's not going to be like the first one, bro. By the way, I'm looking at this now. Showtime Sports put out this video 47 minutes ago. So we were on the air for about 10 minutes when they put it out. 
Uh, Jake Paul calls out Nate Diaz, Jorge Masvidal, and Dana White after a brutal KO. <laughs> is he picking a fight with the MMA industry, or is he picking a fight well, yeah, I mean, with you the know, MMA he, industry? He wants Usman, too, Luke. Let's not overlook that. That's but, right. Okay. That's right. Any, anyone he can really get I think that he could uh, effectively box. All right. Last but not least, and we'll get to all of the UFC fights that we missed on extra credit. But for this one, BC, we're not done yet in 2021, but we're basically done. What is one thing that happened in 2021, either a trend or an event or something, that we can say in combat sports now that the year is effectively over? What, what Tell me a highlight for 2021 for you, or a low light, I guess. I mean, look, it's, I'll, I'll say, you know, something we've been talking about the last few weeks specifically is just that this is, you know, UFC t- operating in 2021 at, at full bloom, at full blossom of what of what the ESPN deal could, could mean about the this era where suddenly, you know, the pay-per-view leverage of individual fighters just isn't there uh, on the same level. And, you know, this year was dominated by the UFC, really across sports in general, you can argue. I mean, this is one of those rare years where they were just, everything worked. Every seem, everything seemed to be, you know, on point. The big fights absolutely delivered. There were great surprises. Any threats in the, you know, real-life COVID battle that, that affects travel and putting on events, UFC just has a a way to bounce around that, that, uh, you know, 2021 was great because both UFC and boxing delivered. We got big fights. We got a good level of consistency, but you know, the MVP of 2021 in combat sports, it's gotta be, you know, Dana White and the UFC brass Luke. And I, I don't offer that easily as some sort of, you know, kiss up because of, uh, you know, I'll show up in their hyped videos that they want to take people down. I'll be the face of those Luke yet. You gotta, you gotta show respect when it's due. What, what kind of trends have you seen this year? I was actually going to say, forget about the whole Jake Paul thing, just for boxing itself. It's funny that you highlighted how good MMA is, and certainly UFC, and I would agree. They had a crazy good year. I mean, it was amazing. I'd actually argue, I think, you know, I hear from a lot of people, oh, what kind of state is boxing in? And we talked a little bit about this with Ariel, but like, for me, I, you know, as somebody who has been out of it and back into it, this was a, you know, BC, would you call it a banner year for boxing? Maybe not that, but it was a pretty fucking yeah. good one, dude. The heavyweight battles that. Yeah, dude, yeah. the Canelo uh, saga that he put us through, and and um, and Manny Pacquiao retiring, and I mean, dude, this was a monumental year in boxing. And DAZN, we were a little bit worried about their future in the sport during the pandemic, but they righted the ship. Obviously, uh, Eddie, Eddie Hearn's doing great things over there with Matchroom. Certainly, uh, Showtime was all firing on all cylinders. There was a couple of COVID fights or COVID incidents that you know killed fights or whatever. But in general, and then even Top Rank, dude. I mean, they, with they did, dude, all the promoters are going to look back in boxing, all the major promoters are going to look back and be like, this was a great year for us, and I just don't want that to get lost. Like, you know, MMA's in a great space, and we're all happy about that. Dude, boxing's in a pretty good space, too, I feel like. Don't you? I do agree with you right there. They've, they've made a consistent stream of pay-per-views that have delivered where the matchup coming in, you know, mattered, and, you, and it wasn't so much of, oh, that really rich guy is going to fight that guy that we know he's going to win. No, these fights have mattered. I mean, Fury Wilder 3 was actually one where, you know, half of us were going, do we really need this right now? And that delivered one of the, you know, most classic all-time insane fights. Luke, if you would make a a Mount Rushmore of the four faces that mattered most to define uh, combat sports in 2021, would it be fair to put Canelo on one, Jake Paul on one, maybe Dana White on one? Who would be the fourth spot, Luke? For, like, biggest impact the in the year? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't put George Cambosis, but he's not far from that list, right? I mean, I had a that was moment. a huge upset. 
I'm, I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough one, but you get the idea. Like boxing had a integral part of the combat sports. I don't know what boom per se, but it's, I mean, it's a boxing. Like everyone say, you know, remember that that misguided look of if Jake Paul's having all this success in Triller, you know, it's going to kill actual boxing, and then. The people that know go, no, actually, that's an indication that boxing's really healthy because not only right. is traditional boxing putting out very good fights and successful pay-per-views, but now you've got BKFC flourishing. You've got the open lanes of Triller trying their different variations. You've got Jake Paul doing a consistent stretch of pay-per-views. So, uh, yeah, business is great, Luke. You and I are, you know, we, we're, we're doing well too, Luke. We're not doing too poorly. Uh, before we get out of here, because I know the, the audience will be mad about it if I don't bring up something. Do you have any thoughts about Bilal Muhammad defeating Wonderboy and yeah, look, uh, his best was, performance to date? This was a breakthrough performance, and it's not that he hadn't had a very good win streak along with the one no contest to Leon Edwards, but he did this in a manner which I just don't think any of us thought he was going to be able to dominate that convincingly, relying on his strengths of pressure and grappling. And and look, he just, I mean, again, we haven't seen Wonderboy handle just, just that easily. So when he comes out afterwards and says, look, I want Usman, and if I can't get it, I want Leon Edwards, and nothing else makes sense. He's earned it. He has damn right earned it, Luke, the hard way, like Charles Oliveira going up the back stairs in the building and just winning whoever they put in front of him, whether the person's a lead or not, and building momentum in this win streak. This is him coming full bloom, and he's an interesting test, Luke. You know what I mean? It's like, do I still peg this guy as a as a future champion? You know, I... I I am not the I'm not a full belief yet, but this was a major wake up call to anyone who is cynically on the other side, because uh, he is a physical beast in there, Luke, and he has really raised his game from where it was four, five, six years ago when we when we sort of regularly you know knew who he was. Did we remember the name at that point a little bit? Now you better remember that face, that chest, Luke. This guy's coming. Yeah, I was extremely impressed by this. Bilal Muhammad is 33 and is really, you can see he's entering, if not already in, his prime. I was amazed also at the ease with which he got takedowns because all it seemed like he had to do was make contact at a level change with Wonderboy against the fence, even from way outside, and he still had success the entire time, like going after Wonderboy, not avoiding, not backing up, not trying some weird game plan. He just did it sticking to his own strengths. I have not necessarily been not a believer in Bilal Muhammad, but I needed to see proof to know exactly what we've got here. And again, can he beat Kamar Usman? You know, that's a tough fight. But to your point, he's earned the right, certainly at a bare minimum, yeah. to call him out. He's earned the right to take on a fight with Leon Edwards. I do think he's a bit of a dark horse now for title aspirations in this division. That was his best win by far, and it wasn't even close. Dude, that fight almost didn't get out of the first round from Bilal Muhammad. Because he's so strong, he found the back. I would say that, you know, putting some polish on his finishing ability is something that could still be worked on and uh, would improve his chances. But in terms of just the kind of performances overall that he's turning in, and especially this one on Saturday, extremely, extremely well, impressive. I like what he did, which is like, we, we talked about it coming in. With it just a three-round fight as a co-main event, and with the smaller cage... There was a, a an angle to say, well, these advantages could really fall in Bilal's hands, and then he used those advantages exclusively and dominantly. I mean, look, you know, he just wore Wonder Boy down. Everything he tried to do was involving leaning his weight or punching in in, in situations that you don't normally see a ton of offense. Every spot he was in, he was looking to let it be known that he was there and he was the dominant fighter. 
Sometimes you got to win that way. And no one looks good against Wonderboy except for right now, like this. He looked great. No doubt about it. So we'll see what happens next. I don't know what the answer to that is, but whatever it is, he has, if it's a good opportunity, at a bare minimum, he's earned it. And again, did it doing exactly the things he always does. Didn't have to get out of his game plan usually whatsoever. So great what job if, by him. Is there a scenario where he gets offered uh, Hamzat Chemaev at all, Luke? Because that's Probably. the other guy in this larger picture, along with. And honestly, Leon. that's a tough fight. That's a hell of a fight. Um, yeah. You know, th here's the thing, though. Like, they didn't. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. Like, they didn't go with Hamzat versus Neil Magny. Neil Magny's been not quiet about wanting that fight, and UFC just hasn't made it, which tells us that they probably don't want to make it. They probably want something a little bit sexier. Does Bilal Muhammad, after beating Wonder Boy, get you there? He might. Look, dude, dude, the Wonder Boy is a big, a big stamp on his passport. Like you can't under underestimate that. Considering I was just the other day saying, "Hey, if Wonder Boy wins this, man, could he make another late run with his name?" You know, I mean, that's a big ass win. And I think again, the manner of it, it's eye opening. So uh, I'll, you're damn right, I'll remember that name, Luke. I mean, all the right. guy, the guy must do. You know, he must sit at the bench and just do chest all day. Yeah, he's got large pectorals. Um, all right, with that in mind, BC, it is not time for you or us to discuss uh, questions we ask each other. It's time for the fans to talk to us. It's time for DMs from Donks. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. All right, BC, from at brim.stone.6. Did you meet the Island Boys? No, but they <laughs> met the crowd, and the crowd didn't like them. Yeah, so there's footage out there. It didn't show up and have you seen this shit this week, but the Island Boys got, got drinks thrown at them. They almost got in a fight. And uh, there's some footage as well, Luke, of, of them showing up on the Logan Paul podcast poolside there at the Hard Rock where uh, one of Logan had a guest and he got into an argument with the Island Boys and disrespected them, and they walked off the set. So, Luke, they've had a chance to show their backbone after showing up on Morning Combat to deliver us such a you know a beautiful soliloquy and song. Um they found out the hard way, Luke, that uh, people may watch you. They don't always love you. I mm. mean, you would find that out, too, if you hadn't blocked half our audience. Luke. Well, I block idiots. So you should take that up with them for being You stupid. know how many sob stories? I don't like to bring this up, but I do get a lot of sob stories of like, guys, I've bought every shirt you've printed, and I made one comment that Luke misinterpreted on Twitter, thought yeah, I was making no, fun no. of him. It's like, hey, Luke, go fuck you and your mother. And it's like, oh, Luke misinterpreted it. No, I don't think I did. I don't think I did. Although I don't uh, block nearly as much these days. I usually just mute. But The walls um, of, of your castle, they get very tall, Luke. There's a moment. I know. It's like, there. dude, here's, here's how this goes. Make yourself pleasant to interact with or don't. The choice is entirely up to you. But if you don't, I'm not going to be party to it. So make your choices accordingly. All right, at Ilya745 BC, where is Eagle FC in three years? It's a good question. Yeah. yeah. Uh, would, would they you, be not, happy? Not if, high expectations, you think? Well, would they be happy if they were like Cage Warriors KSW level, Luke? Is that where we're going here? That's pretty big. Where you have That's a certain hold on a certain either region or level. I mean, that, that'd probably be. I mean, what's the real question? Is the real question here. Do they have a shot at at breaking into that group that includes the UFC, Bellator, PFL, and once in a while one championship? Do they have a chance to be in that group, Luke? I don't think they get there. In three years, probably not. I mean, PFL has been around for a while, and they're just now breaking out, and they offer 
what we think is probably bigger paydays. And they have a better television. Like in three years, it's just not a lot of time. Five to ten, if they're still around, we can ask different questions. But yeah, I think you're probably right. But hey, I mean, you know, maybe Kevin Lee becomes the Eagle FC 165 champion. Look, what are we going to call that weight division? Um, super light, junior welter. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, all right. From flannels and jits. This guy must have a great personality. Did you guys see Sonnen got arrested in Vegas over the weekend? Five counts of battery for fighting in a hotel uh, lobby or uh, I did not uh, see this. Is there footage yeah. of it? There's footage of him walking out in cuffs. You can see that. Apparently, he didn't get charged with anything. Uh, or No, he got charged with five counts of misdemeanor battery, but they didn't actually arrest him because for whatever reason. I, I always thought when you got in fistfights and you got arrested, you were in deep shit, but it turns out... As I become an adult, this is not really all that true, but um, he it was some kind of dispute in a hallway with another man, at least as TMZ wrote it, over a woman. I don't know what the story is. I don't know, but um, he apparently gave the other guy the, uh, the wood shampoo, just beat the fuck out of him, and uh, the woman was screaming. Someone called the cops, and they came and got him, but they only gave him five counts of misdemeanor battery i think the bad guy will be okay john jones loved it you see he took to twitter about it i didn't see any of this maybe it was payback for uh some of those zings he had at the world mma awards look because when you're that funny at that level you do always have to worry about the payback some punk that you roughed up way back coming back after all these years you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i don't know exactly what the story is but there was that part that was reported so enjoy that all right, it's back. Yes, yes. Uh, by the way, I didn't know you were in chemotherapy at age seventeen. But look at this oh, fucking wow, picture. Not, I mean, that's not even remotely funny, Luke. Okay, I mean, that's, put the, put the counter back up real quick if you can, Gaff or Corey. Let me see this thing because they definitely changed out the picture or something. Yeah, look at that, bro. Were you okay? Yeah, I was. I was uh, seventeen, Luke. You know, I was. Uh, I couldn't keep uh, an ounce of fat on me. You know. How are you seventeen and you look like Tom Hanks from Philadelphia? I don't know. I can't that's, tell. That's not. I, I'm not. not you know. I'm not gonna laugh. I'm not gonna, you know. I'm not gonna, you know. The, the first rule of improv is never say no, Luke. I'm no, okay, no. All right. Uh, at bedside rumble, that's what happens when I lean over to pass gas. Are the grounded hip thrusts that Dante Mays showed against Josh Parisian something you learn on the first day of training at Factory Town <laughs> MMA? Asking for a friend. Yeah, we we at Factory Town MMA we call that uh, teabagging actually because that's what it is. Good God. Can't wait to see that on Have You Seen This Shit Today, Luke. That was great. I haven't seen anything like that. Do you remember when Sergey Kovalev, I don't know if you remember this, on his initial title rise, he had this move where he would pump fake a crotch thrust and it would get his opponent to kind of freeze and then he'd throw a one-two on him, Luke. It reminded me of that. We haven't seen that kind of, you know, that kind of pelvic use in combat sports, Luke, since, um, since uh, you know, uh, oh, man, I, you know, if I would have... If I could ever remember the name of John Jones's Albuquerque booty call and have it on hand, Luke, my comedy game could rise up, you know, exponentially. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yes, that's a thing that would be true if other things that are not in play were in play. I agree. Uh, all right. From... Oh, sorry. But sorry. Retroactively, Boo Boo Wild Thing was the correct answer. Thank you. That's right. That was on the text on the phone. Incoming call. Uh, yeah. Incoming call, yes. From H. De La Cruz underscore 160. Who is the real B? Very Brian Campbell. Uh, what you call it here? DMs from Donks today. Who's the real BC? Is it Brian Campbell or... Is it Brian Custer? Because you'll note Mauro Ronaldo when he throws it back to Brian Custer on the Showtime broadcasts, he calls him BC. Who's the real BC at I would, Viacom? To be fair, I would say the real, I mean, who's the real BC? Well, I'm, I'm the real BC, but who's the real BC? Um, Brian Custer has been using that moniker, nickname, whether he brought it on himself or not, professionally a lot longer than I have. To be fair, Luke Thomas, I really wasn't called BC until... Two years ago? And it was really by you. Maybe a couple people on the fringe used it as their preferred choice. But, uh, you know, I was um, I was soup most of my life in my hometown of Naugatuck, Connecticut. And I was, you know, Brian Campbell for a lot of years. But apparently I'm now BC, the BBC with the BDE, the, the damn American Alpha, you know. So, uh, so, yeah, Brian Custer can take the real BC part right there, Luke. But uh, it wasn't. Doesn't keep me up at night. Uh, okay. Well, there you have it. I'm not sure what to add to that. I think soup is a terrible name for you. I don't like it, but you know, you are from Connecticut and your peers are not very creative. So what can you do? That's not your fault. It's not your fault. You were born in Connecticut, BC. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Sorry, Dino. Uh, let me, let me run my future nicknames uh, past you, you know, <laughs> appropriately. Okay. You're chippy today. Why are you so chippy today? You, you a little underslept, a little, little stressed. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. I spent all morning at the knee doctor. Look, I'm getting old, you know. It's not. I see that, bro. I see that. All right. Well, it's time for the lighter side of things, BC. It's time for your shit. Yeah, that's what we do. We scour the globe for the highs and lows, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the in between. And combat sports and beyond. I really can't vouch for this this piece of shit right here, Luke. It's an it's an up and down mix, but we're gonna get it anyway. It's called Have You Seen This Shit. <laughs> feces my supplies are running low luke and i've gotten some criticism of late that we're too fight heavy so i tried to do less fights and more drunk chick so yeah, here we go it's, luke you uh, see fight night in vegas we mentioned dantel mays using his dick thrusts to control josh parisian in their heavyweight bout luke it worked as he would go on to get the victory but um that's disrespectful right there 
Well, there's a couple things that are happening here. There are, by the way, passes and forms of control where your left or right hip should go on the face of your opponent to get them to turn away. So he's either using the cup itself as a way to just to hit him, or he's using the uh, bone of his hip um, to do it. But either way, it is, um, you know, he's pumping. That's pump action shotgun right there. I mean, look, you know, we've seen videos on this program and this segment about people doing that at the gym to warm up, you know, to get loose. Uh, you know, maybe it becomes a weapon moving forward, you know, a love weapon. I do I do squeeze my glutes together as a warm-up for, uh, like, You know, true or false, Luke, is you and I exited the uh, the media room at Amelie Arena in Tampa after doing, uh, you know, an HQ clip or whatever. As you opened the door to go out first, you straight up Larry Kinged me and whoever else was within 20 feet of me in that room and just shat your pants as like a parting gift and then slowly opened the door so I could, you know, my teeth were turning, you know, even yellower. It was great. Yes, I wow. do. These are, these are true accusations and I plead guilty. All right, let's go to this, uh, this featherweight fight. Do you see the ending between Charles Jourdain and Andre Ewell, Luke? Look yeah, at this. screamed at him. Ah, Kick that shit. Yes. Yeah. Get out of here. Wow. I mean, that's not a finish, but that's about as close to a finish as you're going to get without actually scoring a finish. That's like Pippin Duncan on Ewing and then teabagging him. Like, that's just like in your face is, right there. Who, who's that? It, it turned into a gif, too. Who's the one where Shaq dunked on some white guy and then like thrust it into him? Yeah, Chris Dudley. That's that's, that's in it. play for, you know, most disrespectful moment in NBA history. Dudley threw the ball at him. Rightfully so. You got to. You got to do that. I yeah, mean, he had to do something. Uh, Luke, Justin Taffa became the first UFC heavyweight to ever miss weight for 265. But it didn't matter. He kicked the shit out of Harry Hunbuckler here. Harry Hunsucker with the head kick finish. Uh, this guy for real, Luke? Harry Unbuckler is who I am when I haven't had enough Manscaped products. All right. All my right. wife, my wife's like, oh, you turned back into Harry Unbuckler again, did you? I see. <laughs> Okay, uh, I, have, Luke, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't slept in a few days. I don't know you, if you can tell. You may have watched Kai Kara France's, uh, you know, big time knockout of Cody Garbrandt <laughs> at UFC 269 more than a week ago. But have you heard or seen teammate Israel Adesanya's reaction? Let's see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't hear anything. TKB. Luke, I. It's, I just, not, it's not too not too dissimilar from my reactions when CKB fighters fight. <laughs> I'll just say this: I want teammates that will yell, "I'm about to explode!" when I have my big moments, Luke. Okay, you think our staff was yelling that at when we walked up to the podium at the World MMA Awards? I think you've probably yelled that trying to bring yourself to uh, climaxes. <laughs> I'm about to explode, Sally. All right. Hey, we've seen some weird moments before from, from Jessica. Uh, I'm about to explode from Adesanya, but um, you know that's he's being a good teammate right there. He loved. I don't moment. know anyone in my life that would react 
<laughs> that positively to anything I could do unless someone was sentencing me to life in prison. Well, Luke, you know who and can my explode. Family would be like, my family would be like, I'm about to explode with joy. Uh, let's go to Tampa, Florida for a different kind of explosion. Mama Woodley was in the house after Tyron's knockout loss. Let's listen to her give it to a family. What we're wrong for him tonight? What the fuck you think, motherfucker? What we're wrong for him? What we're wrong with you? No, no. Um, excuse me, sir. Could you give me directions to the interstate? <laughs> Man, fuck your mama. <laughs> uh, Luke, what went wrong there? Uh, mama Woodley, despite uh, exploding there, did come up to you off camera and, and give you some encouragement, correct? She said, uh, I haven't had a, honestly, I haven't had someone talk to me like that since my mom was alive. She said to me some really, 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 really nice things. And, um, yeah, it was touching. Actually, I was on the air. I was a little distracted, but it was very, very sweet. So she's a very sweet lady. And I love, you know, you don't, you don't see, you don't see that unless she's in a mood. So, yeah. And by the way, she doesn't need to know you to act like she's your mother. She's an incredible person. She's just exactly. People just know her right away. Uh, Luke, this is the moment of the weekend. Even Dana White tweeted it. Nate Diaz inside the arena, leaving the arena. And let's zoom in on this, please, for this Nate pump Diaz fake of all pump fakes. That's too full flinching. <laughs> okay, dude, who is that guy? I don't know, but that guy, uh, he bit. He bit on that pump fake, Luke. This I mean, did he? Uh, he bit on every. His beard just turns into a shower. Look at this. Wow. I'll tell you what, RIP Kobe. Matt Barnes, you know, pump faked him. He didn't move. Like, he didn't move. Okay. Well, Kobe was a little different. That's fucking hilarious from Nate. That dude ruined his beer. That's fucking awesome. Well, I wonder if that moment was tied into this moment, Luke. At Friday's weigh in, you and I saw during the broadcast. Team Diaz with Chris Avila there get into a scuffle with Team AJ McKee and Body, Body Shop Factory, whatever they call it. Check that out. Why were they beefing? What's what's AJ McKee got? Like, who's he beefing with? Well, AJ McKee was training Anthony Taylor for this boxing match against Chris Avila. Uh, and, okay, okay. And the Diaz army. So uh, the two armies rubbed up against each other. Okay. There's AJ. Yeah. Yeah, but you know who really won this battle? Who? COVID. <laughs> but hey, how about like, a... you guys, you guys can take your wins and losses however you want. The real winner. What what would you think about Nate Diaz versus AJ McKee at Welterweight? What would you think about that? Nate Diaz versus Not AJ MMA. Yes. At Welterweight. <sighs> Be interesting, right? It'd be interesting. I agree. You're right. It's a, it's a, I hadn't thought of it. It's a fun little permutation because at 55, I like McKee pretty cleanly. But, an, you know, even then he's up a weight class. And then you're talking about another 15 pounds. That's, you know, you, you've seen Nate in person. You've seen AJ in person. Nate's bigger by a considerable margin. So that's a tough one. That's I, I like it. That's, I like where your head's at. That's interesting. All right, let's go back to real life here. Here's a little musical chairs finish, Luke. You know, you got to be cutthroat to win this event. Check out this lady's move and then the celebration. I want you to go. look closely at the lady in the pink. So they're playing musical chairs? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. 
all around the back to steal the chair, and then the then the then the chair stole. Sometimes stole you got to come down on some thick. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go to Russia. OFC 15. Luke, we had a boxing exhibition. Remember Ruslan Provodnikov, the the face yeah. first brawler. He's been off for six years. Luke, he came back to box Ali Bogatanov in an exhibition. And the MMA the, fighter. Yeah, in the yellow there, Ruslan took home a split decision, and like normal, Luke, his face was a bloody mess afterwards. Yeah, dude, Ali Bagautinov fought uh, Demetrius Johnson for the UFC flyweight title. Now, granted, he popped for PEDs at the time, so take that for what it's worth, but um, yeah, it's like washed boxer beats, you know, well, I guess he's kind of a washed MMA fighter, semi-washed yeah. MMA fighter. I mean, I was happy for Ruslan, but I like that he's kind of Realized he hit his ceiling and he walked away because he gave us so many blood and guts nights at the offices, Luke, from the Tim Bradley fight to the Matisse fight. I mean, you know, him knocking out Mike Alvarado to win the title. I love Ruslan's career, but I don't want to see him. You know, I hope this is a one off. Yeah, tons of abuse he took. Yeah. All right, let's go over to the bathtub. You want drunk chicks? You're going to get it, Luke, okay? Let's do it for the gram here. (laughs) That was a good one. Yeah. All right. Hey, back to the stuff that matters here. You want women? How about women's boxing? DAZN had a busy weekend, Luke, in San Antonio. Check out Sinisa Superbad Estrada. I saw this. I saw this. Delivering the boom. Demaria um, Santizo, Estrada Barry, defended. Barry, Coach Barry Robinson made a point about this. Watch, watch the girl in blue, the woman in blue, excuse me, bring her feet together and then re-engage. And then when she does, she just gets time. She does what's called a rhythm step right there. Boom, comes back and gets hit, Ooh. you know. Dude, Estrada's a fun fighter. I, uh, unbeaten. She's the WBA minimum weight champion. She's uh, looking to move up and wait for uh, and take on other fighters for belts. I think the zone's got something here, Luke. She's also uh, really good on the mic. I called the fight with her once for uh, Ring City USA and NBC Sports. So uh, good to see Sinisa get a moment here. Let's keep it Big rolling. Power. We go to England. The zone gave us a nice brawl in this rematch. Joseph Parker versus Derek Chisora, Luke. It would be Parker scoring three knockdowns there in the white to get the victory, but it was fun and games the whole time. And then they ate burgers afterwards. This is fun. I mean, this is just, you know, if heavyweight boxing isn't going to be, you know, Wilder or Fury or something like that, this is a this is a great alternative. Don't you agree? Like, it's, you know, you're not, you know you're not watching the best, but you know you're watching some tough guys with big power who just will fucking, you know, go crazy to get the win. Joseph Parker Luke, could be, uh, you know, he kind of worked himself back into title contention. We remember when he lost his belt to Anthony Joshua. You know, I don't want to say lifeless, but it turned out to be a boxing clinical, match. Clinical. Yeah, uh, in their unification fight. But he's worked himself back up. I wonder if he gets a big shot after this one. Uh, Luke, boxing last Tuesday, uh, pound for pound ranked Naiwa Inoue, the monster from Japan, had to stay busy in his native land. And check out this triple uppercut he landed, Luke. Yeah, that's amazing. One, two, short little punches, too. Three, oh, yeah. and then he goes to the body here. Yeah, that's fucking I mean, he, nice. He's, he's good. He's One, great. two, three. I mean, he's, he's bah! Yeah. If you don't know about this guy, please, Niowa Inoue, get, get, get learned. All right, Luke, let's go over to Russia. I don't think this was the intended way to wear a wife beater. Can you break this down for me? That's exactly the intention. This guy is just letting them, I mean, he's just letting the titties hang. I mean, look at this fucking animal. 
This you guy, who, and I bet he fucks too. <laughs> like our, uh, like our key uh, grip, uh, Phil. He likes the older ladies, Luke. Or or Jack from uh, Las Vegas. Our key oh, grip yeah. there. All right, uh, let's go. Look, you remember I was a shipping and receiving manager back in the day at the factory, Luke. I I had that shipping. Not really you know, in the factory, in the air conditioned part of the factory. No, yeah. no, no. There was no air conditioning at that factory. I was I was on top of that. But this never happened to me, Luke. You got to be careful when you're unloading the. Uh, you know the big, the big hall. Oh, he just he just whips this motherfucker open, huh? Bah, eat that shit, bitch! <laughs> oh my god, look at wow! Turns he, out got he, sw- he got he got swallowed died. by produce. You know, I don't know if he died, but I do feel bad putting this out in the, out in the world if he did. Luke. Wow! I don't think, right. I don't think he died, but he probably doesn't eat that many apples these days. Luke, let's go over to uh, Mardi Gras here, New Orleans. Luke, is this a great throw or or a great catch? You be the judge. All right, let's see. One. Two, three. Whoa. Wow. 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 That is epic partying. Um, yeah. Yeah. No one took You know what, off. dude? You know what? I'm going to. Uh, hold on. Let me say it one more time. He throws it. Okay. It's definitely a great catch, and it's not the best throw. It's a pretty fucking good throw. Yeah. Like, that was impressive. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. All right. Let's go back to regional MMA. Luke, you know anything can happen. Can you describe what this is? Because it's a dominant finish where I come from. Wow, that one dude is strong as shit. Oh God, yeah. He just, dude, he just, dude, he just fucking and can suit him yeah. to the to the left. Look at this. Just get, he's like Beyonce to the left. Keep it yeah. moving. God they, damn, dude. He looked like Dan Henderson on um, on Hector Lombard with how vicious that finish was. Dude, I always tell people, dude, I always tell people, and I'm going to say it again, go to a local MMA show in your area, even if it's amateur, pay 15 bucks for your seat, whatever you know, minimal cost it is, you will see the wildest shit you've ever seen at these regional shows. I'm telling you. Uh, Luke, you and I did see Hendo, the great Hall of Famer in Vegas. Dude, he's still... He's still pulling tail, that guy, Luke. Dude, I mean, he's old as dude, shit. I, but... Hendo doesn't remember this, but we got dinner, him, me, and the staff after MMA's Uncensored Live. And every time I've seen him, he's got a dime around his arm. And I don't think it's the same one from when I saw him about 10 or 11 years ago. And either way, if it was, she's aged nicely because don't you worry about old Dan Hendo. He's doing quite well for himself. I mean, Luke, let's be fair. He's old as shit, and he looks it, but he's still living. So shout out to uh, to his clothes. If you notice, they're all like kind of halfway untucked. And yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Luke, let's bring on the trampolines. They should really get some weight limits for these. Wouldn't you agree, Luke? Oh Jesus, lady! Oh, yeah, I mean, lady, you're maybe, maybe that, we shouldn't maybe we shouldn't come down on some thick. Bad news is she'll never walk again, Luke. But you know she's probably. I like how they put all these guardrails so she wouldn't fly outside. It's like, well, we didn't think she would actually go through the bitch, but turns <laughs> out she's she's overweight. So there Luke, you go. They say everybody's got a superpower, a, a, a party trick that they can bring out. You know what I mean? Look, look, look at this old guy. You know he's been practicing this move for years, Luke. Is this Bernie, and is this his weekend? I've been practicing a similar move, Luke, with my, with my, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is me going back to jujitsu. Hey, everybody, <laughs> I, this is a great idea on my part. All right, uh, let's go over it. It's time for some wheelie fails. Luke, we haven't had some good wheelie fails in a while. You know, the people they love, no helmet on a motorcycle. 
And then they love kicking in that wheelie, Luke. Oh, this guy does have a helmet. Good, but, you know. Holy wow. fucking shit. Damn. Dude, that nice. other guy narrowly avoided the problems. Bah. This is one of those to me. It's like Daredevil pilots. Like, you know, you're asking for it. You're asking for it. It's going to kick. Luke, the, you know, the, as you would say, the, the bill will come due eventually when you live this, this fast and furious lifestyle. Yeah, oh, let's play see stupid one. games. You are going to win stupid prizes. So congrats. This next one is brought to you, Luke, by CTE. Just. I mean, the thing about doing the wheelie is if you can't see where you're, you know, it's, yeah, that's. Uh... This is brought to you by uh, CTE and abject poverty, it looks like. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I do like the pink helmet. All right, we got one more for you in the wheelie game. They say bad wheelie accidents happen in three, Luke. Oh no! Oh no! Oh, oh, no. oh no! Oh no! Oh, oh, oh. oh he, you know, he did walk on his own power, Luke. <laughs> that would be the last time, though. Wow! Wow! Dude, these guys—I see them all over the city here. They ride in these large groups, and um, it never seems to go too well for them, you know. No, no, Luke. You know, after a long weekend of work travel, you gotta—you gotta just. <laughs> You got to burn everything that's on you and just start fresh. And this is what this guy was doing, Luke. He this this may actually be Tampa, Florida. He's like, you know, I just got to I just got to clean off and just start fresh. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, this was me after the uh event on Sunday or Saturday when I was walking back to my hotel. I just needed some relief for my ass cuz it was on fire. Yeah. All right, I got two more in this failing segment, Luke. Uh, look, this is a superpower right here. Check out this guy's ability to catch darts in any position without getting oh, hurt. Oh, God. Luke. Oh, God. Okay. All right. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, uh, no. I think it's real. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, so that's it? He doesn't do much worse than that? No, that's not bad, Luke. Okay, that's... That's still pretty good. That's a new. That's a twist on tip to tip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had that log between his legs. But Luke, you may fool the log once, but the log will get you back. Here's our last entry this week. Yeah, you know, I can't. I can't guarantee this guy walked away from this, Luke. But we can oh, enjoy no. it nonetheless. Oh Jesus Christ! Oh, uh, bah! <laughs> <laughs> You know, in the tree world, Luke, they compare this to uh, Overeem versus Nganu. I think rightfully so, Luke. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Dude, this motherfucker is wearing a helmet, and the tree hits him in the part that the helmet doesn't exist. Boop. Oh, my God. Oh, fuck, bro. This tree is like, yo, fuck you loggers. Suck my D. Yep. Look, I'm looking. Bop. Just, I mean, I'll, I'll watch his arms, too. He just gets hit by the fucking Hadouken in here. Watch this. Watch, look at his arms. Watch his arms. Here we go. Ah! Oh, 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 wow. <laughs> well, Luke, that's my shit for the week. I apologize for the declining value of it. I've been tra look. I've really been traveling for like five. Dude, these weeks. these last two weeks were fucking hard. They were Between vacation, family, wedding. You know. Yeah. It, so I I will come back with much better shit. In fact, Luke, you know we're about to enter a, a dead zone. For combat sports i hope you know everyone enjoy the holidays of course but um um you know we're gonna have a lot of time to run a lot of shitty videos so uh, good 
Well, I'm glad to hear about that. All right, BC, before we close off today's program, what are your odds and or ends for today? You know, we had a lot of boxing over the weekend, stuff that didn't even make Have You Seen the Shit, and it was an interesting close-up. Excuse me. Wow. Harp. All right. For the uh, light heavyweight division in boxing. Arthur Bieterbeev came back. Luke, you better believe it, Friday night against a determined Marcus Brown. And Bieterbeev would get a hard-fought win, including Luke he had a gash and a half opened up on his forehead. Brown was also bleeding bad. Brown wasn't afraid to cheat either, Luke, to stay in this fight. This turned out to be a little bit gnarly. Look, at 36, I don't feel like Better Beef is getting any younger for sure. Um, he gutted it out, Luke. I still think he can win big fights, but if you're Team Canelo and you're watching this, uh, this is the second straight Better Beef fight who's now, what, 17-0 and with 17 KOs, where you're seeing a little bit of age and time off catching up. Marcus Brown was in this. Better Beef got the win, and one more also. DeZone in San Antonio had undefeated Gilberto Zerto Ramirez, the former super middleweight champion. He had a fun fight with Unieski Gonzalez, who brought it. Uh, Zerto would get a late stoppage and a win. And, Luke, as we look at this light heavyweight division right now, Better Beef's got two belts. You've got one belt around the waist of Dimitri Bivol, one belt around the waist of Joe Smith Jr., the big slugger, uh, who just recently was like a full-time, you know, pipe layer. And you've got now uh, Gilberto Ramirez, who's 43-0. and Luke, if Canelo wants to come now, look, I don't know if this Canelo cruiserweight thing is going to happen. It was originally, you know, the WBC was all about it, but now Don King is claiming he's got a, a right on uh, making a fight in between with Makabu. I wonder now if um, Team Canelo is taking a closer look at, at light heavyweight. All those four names I mentioned, all four would be fun fights against Canelo if he so desires to want to move up there and try to win all the belts, Luke. Were you nervous at all having caught a few rounds of that uh, better be fight that the competition's closing in on him? A little bit. I mean, when his face was exploding with blood and his opponent was still kind of giving him a little bit of razzle-dazzle, I don't know. I got a little bit concerned. But when would you say the fight turned? Fifth? Sixth round? Something like that? You know? Yeah. And then once it did, he was marching him down. Once once you saw him marching him down consistently, you're like, oh, okay, okay. The game is now locked in, but you're right. Took a little time to get going. Definitely got, you know, his skin is not what it used to be, and I'm sure his overall damage. He's not taking a ton of damage, but, you know, you just do enough of this and it wears you down. And, uh, yes, to answer your question, I thought that the competition was closing in a little bit, but he's still a fucking hammer. So, look, know, the so. people that know in boxing, on Boxing Twitter, I've seen a few people make this point. Should Canelo move up this year and fight Baturbiev, uh, who, again, 17-0, 17 KOs, two of the four light heavyweight titles, a lot of people thinking it could be a Canelo versus Triple G type fight where, you know, Canelo's going to certainly have the speed and, and the boxing ability to be in this, but you got an old bruiser here in Baturbiev like Triple G was in those two fights who also can box and set his shots up. Both are going to have to take punishment. Look, this could be a pretty freaking epic fight if they make it in terms of, like, what could it actually look like in the ring? This could be interesting theater. Totally. I love it. And he looked great over the weekend and, um, you know, producing good highlights. And he's well, he seems to be well liked in the boxing industry as well, which seems yeah. to be a thing for him. Um, yeah, I love it. I love all the, po dude, 2022, a lot of fun possibilities about the way things could go. And he's certainly part of that picture at Overlight Heavyweight. So I agree. Um, for my odds and ends, BC, uh, it's a sad one, unfortunately. Uh, Jordan Young has passed away. It may not be a name that a lot of you know. He did fight twice for the PFL, winning against a UFC middle, a former UFC middleweight, Amari Akhmedov. 
uh, in his last fight, actually with an uppercut, he was losing that fight, and then he won. He went, I think, like six and one in Bellator, five, five and one in Bellator. His only loss was to Angliscus, who we know was in the the light heavyweight tournament. He was 27 years old, and he passed away. BC, I've never mentioned anything because I didn't think about, uh, anything about it until yesterday. But uh, Jordan, I don't know why he passed away. He messaged me on Friday. Actually, um, he wanted some some uh, gambling picks, and I, of course, I don't gamble and give picks, but I just you know shared my analysis as best I could. And um, I was looking back on our conversations. He had hit me up maybe in 2017, and you know, was just kind of a fan of some of my work, and we had kind of stayed in touch. I didn't know him. I won't proclaim to know him. I, my only interaction with him was through Instagram DMs, but he was a nice guy. He was driven. Again, he got a great win in his last PFL fight. I don't know the circumstances of his death, but it it um, it's terrible. And, like, you know, there's just a rule about death you always have to remember. It may come sooner than you think, and it is definitely, definitely obviously going to happen, but it, it certainly might come way quicker than you imagine and I'm sure if you had asked Jordan Young a year ago where are you going to be in another year he wouldn't have said this um terrible terrible situation I hope to find out more but um just wanted to say something about it I'm really sorry to hear what happened just 27 years old a lot of tributes coming out from both the PFL and American top team and you know look he was 12 and 2 with uh 10 finishes uh so he was looking promising and he'd been on the best stretch of his run there uh wow it was eye-opening terrible yeah yeah, there's a lot of well wishes for him. And again, I still don't know what the cause of death is. I really hope it's not. I mean, there would be no circumstance that would be great. I guess I'm just kind of hoping for um, not something that's deeply tragic. But um, I don't know. Terrible situation, right? Terrible situation. So there you go. Rest in peace to him and his family. Um, okay, BC, that is it for us. We do have uh, extra credit coming. We'll dig into this last UFC card of the year. Anything else? Uh, no, uh, you know... Please, people, it's your last chance to get drug rugs to get our merch this holiday season. So uh, head on over to morningcombat.store. I mean, look, this is quality. This is quality shit right here, okay? You want tie-dye shirts? We got that, too. You want this fantastic mug that you could be drinking out of every day? All right, this is the absolute last Mark McGuire rookie card that we have here. All right, let's do it. Let's do it, Don West. Uh, yeah. All right, so there's morningcombat.store. There's Showtime, showtime.com. Get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not... You can go pound sand. Don't forget our email, morningcombat at gmail.com. Morningcombat at gmail.com. Get in those fan subs. Get in those dead wrongs as early as you possibly can. And hopefully we'll get to them on Wednesday. Uh, BC, if you're listening on the podcast, give us a thumbs up there or give us a five-star review or whatever else. We're all over the socials. Morning Combat's name is consistent everywhere. BC and I are slightly different from Instagram to Twitter. And um, I think that is it, BC. Boy, we have seen a lot of each other on the la- on the road. Are you glad yeah, to be done with me for a little while? We should really consider slowing down a little bit and just, you know, enjoying the holidays with our families. Hopefully everybody out there is going to get to do that too, Luke. And come back in this new year just fired up, Luke. I mean, could we be brand-wise, critical attention and respect in a better spot? MK, this army, this universe? No, we couldn't. Uh, we're, we're coming. We're coming big. So everybody rest up. Enjoy the holidays. Uh, wear our merch at your holiday parties. I'm sure it'll get, you know, love and appreciation. And uh, you better believe we're coming back with a bang, even though right now we just don't want to be near each other at all. And not even on the same Zoom Zoom stream. I, I don't see. No, no. The difference is that I don't mind being near you. It is you who minds being near me. That's the difference. Well, I don't know if it's you. That's really my my obstacle, Luke. I've just, you know, it's been a busy two months, you know, a lot, a lot of travel, you know, vacations, 
awards. So, you know, I'm just looking to pause for a little bit. But hey, Luke, we have a brand new studio in the fine uh, metropolis of Jersey City that we will be unveiling to open the new year. So a uh, lot to look forward to if you're a big MK fan. You want more franchises? You want dissected to make a comeback? Hey, who knows, Luke? Who knows, right? Possible. There are crazy things that could happen, but you're right. The studio will be a big focus of 2022. I want to get back there more often. People seem to like it more often. I think we like it when we're there. So we'll make that a big priority for 2022. But that is it for today. For Malka, for CBS Sports, for Showtime, for the Viceroy slash Prince of Connecticut, that's Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. I'll see you folks on Extra Credit a little bit later. And until then, may all of your gains be loyal. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. Yeah. For the movie that hits like a bus in a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Made at PG 13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.